Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. It's a privilege to be in the upper room. Uh, and of all of the churches, and by the way, in the Pennsylvania Association of Regular Baptist Churches, there are about 82 churches all across this state, just like Bible Baptist Church of Upper Darby. And uh, none of them can, can claim to be as biblical as this church can. Because this church is in the upper room. Amen? Amen. This church is... Can I hear another amen? amen? Can you get better than that? Amen. All right. It is such a joy to be back with you, to see how God is blessed. And, and now you're, you're coming to the point where we're going to celebrate 30 years. Pastor Lyon, I, I, I mean, for 30 years, he looks pretty good. <laughs> the faithfulness of your founding pastor for 30 years, that's almost unheard of today. The average stay of a pastor in a particular ministry is less than two years. Your pastor has been faithful to serving the Lord at Bible Baptist Church of Upper Darby for 30 years. That's commendable. And I think a lot of the credit goes to Mary. Uh, no, uh, to, to the, the work of the Holy Spirit for sure. Uh, we were at our spring conference out at Catanning that Pastor mentioned at Grace Baptist Church. They just celebrated their 50th. And uh, that's just uh, unbelievable to see churches all across the state, just like your church, that are being faithful and Standing fast, and you know that is a, quite a biblical term of action. Standing firm, standing fast in the Lord, holding to the Word of God and the marvelous truths of uh, God's uh, gospel. So uh, here we are, a fellowship. As Pastor says, there is such a strength when we come together. You probably all were excited about coming together today. That's a part of anticipating each other. There's a strength when we come together under uh, the gospel, under the word of God. There is a uh, blessing when we can be encouraging one another in prayer and fellowship. And we do that all across the state. Uh, some of our churches... Are in building programs. Uh, Catanning at Grace Baptist is getting ready to uh, tear down an old portion of their facility and build a larger activity center. That's exciting. Things like that uh, can be encouraging uh, to see God's growth. Uh, there are some times when there are difficulties and uh, we need to be in prayer for one another. We have 13 churches right now across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that are looking for a, church, uh, for a pastor. Uh, for one reason or another, their pulpits have become vacant. And, and a, a flock of believers, a flock of sheep, can be very vulnerable without a pastor. Uh, God established pastors for churches. And so I, I encourage you to be praying for the 13 churches uh, that are without. They are listed in our Keystone Baptist, which is our newsletter. And we send that out electronically. And it is posted on our website, but there are some hard copies. I don't understand because it's not very hard, they're paper, flimsy paper, but they call it the hard copy. Uh, they're out on the table, and if you would like to have us send you a, a Keystone Baptist, uh, there's a sign-up sheet out there right beside the business cards. So you can take one and fill out the other. 
and uh, help yourself. And uh, you can be in prayer. Uh, those churches are within that newsletter that you can be prayed for. Brother Jeff Anthony is just a precious, precious brother. Uh, he has put up with me for years and years, driving me all, all over the state to our different churches. And I appreciate him. He's got some brochures. I'm going to have him pass out uh, to all of you, uh, one to each family. And if you would, just kind of keep those by the refrigerator door. Because we know, as many, if you go to your refrigerator as much as I do, that's the best place of reference to remind you to pray for the PRBC and to pray for us. Uh, we, we are blessed and humbled to have served the Lord as the state representative uh, for 25 years now. And uh, to see how God has blessed how God has worked, even in troubled times, to see how God has intervened. You can, you can almost see his hand. Uh, and uh, we just are so thankful, so grateful for all that he has done. Uh, thank you for your prayers for my wife, Judy. Uh, she is a double amputee, but uh, had a just a, a very common... Uh, cataract surgery last fall and one of the solutions that was used in the process was toxic and uh, she has very poor eyesight now and they're telling us it's it's uh, irreversible uh, so we're just simply trusting in the Lord she uh, She's just a gem of a person. Uh, and then while we were at the fall, the spring conference in Katanning, I got a call Monday night uh, from my dear wife, and she was crying and screaming and calling my name for help. Uh, apparently her heart started to race at 260 beats a minute. How do you count 260 beats? But that's what it recorded in the machine. And the doctors told her, your heart was racing 260. And that kicked off the defibrillator she has as well. And it kept doing that, shocking her. She said, I thought 10 times, but I lost count after that. She thought maybe 20. And the doctor said, it shocked you continually for 45 times. And in doing that, I told her, it's sort of like an electric chair execution gone bad, is what, what it was. And it, it has uh, damaged her muscles and her nerves around her chest and down her arms. Uh, she just started this last week with physical therapy, and they're hoping it's going to take some time. It's going to be a while, but they're, they're hoping they can restore that strength and, and the arms uh, to, uh, to a normal, normalcy as much as they can. And as I tell everybody, on top of all of that, she has to put up with me, so... You can really be praying for my dear wife. She wanted to be here in the worst way. She sends her greetings. Uh, she has been uh, at uh, Bible Baptist uh, of Upper Darby. I don't know if she's ever been. Yeah, I think once she was here uh, in the upper room, but she remembers going to the old chapel that, the church used to meet in uh, back in 1732, I think it was, <laughs> a long time ago. That's the joy of being able to be around others. You, you become a family. All of you that are a part of Bible Baptist Church 
You are a precious, precious family. You care for each other. You encourage each other. You pray for each other. If, if you can get the idea of expanding that beyond, uh, we do that across the state, across the Commonwealth of PA, in all of these 80-plus churches, as there are good things that need to be rejoicing about and as there are some very burdensome things that need to be praying about, we can do that together and anticipate God's working in such a unique and marvelous way. Uh, there's great value. We are in, uh, in a trying time. We are closer and closer to the rapture. Uh, and as we get closer and things become very unstable, as you see it internationally, very unstable. Also in our country, things are becoming very unstable. Uh, I realized that when I went to fill my gas up uh, at, at the, 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 the gas station. And then I went to the grocery store, and you almost go into shock. Uh, things are getting so unreal. Well, we can encourage one another and be there to help one another when things get bad. And even within our own state, there are some tests that are going to be coming up. Standing for righteousness. We have a legislature that is going to need our voice. And if Bible Baptist Church of Upper Darby can speak out, that's wonderful. But if we can multiply that together as a fellowship, it's even all that much more effective. And that's yet even another benefit of being a part of a larger fellowship. A fellowship that does not desire to compromise, but to stand true to God's word, to see souls saved, and to see even more churches planted like this one was 30 years ago. Uh, we praise the Lord. It's exciting to see what God is still doing. He's not done working. There's tremendous things he still wants to accomplish in each one of our hearts. There's tremendous things he wants to accomplish here in Upper Darby. And there's some marvelous things that he has planned till that trumpet sounds and that angelic voice shouts even for the Commonwealth of PA and the Pennsylvania Association of Regular Baptists. So please pray for us. And, and I hope you get out to our display and to take one of the business cards. They melt after so long. And... Uh, take a look at all of the churches that are listed alphabetically and you can see the stars on the map where your church is and a number of other churches are all over the state. Churches just like yours. Pray for us. Thank you, Pastor. Wow. <laughs> uh, it, it started after I uh, accepted the Lord as my Savior. I, I was studying to be a Benedict, uh, 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 what do you call it, a priest. I was studying in a Benedictine monastery out in Oregon, at uh, Mount Angel, Oregon. And God got a hold of my heart through my mom and dad who were beginning to listen to Christian radio, which is totally different then than it is now. Uh, and it was just uh, grabbing their hearts. And their, uh, I came home from the monastery where I w they had a seminary and I was studying and uh, we began to talk and 
One by one in a family, we each accepted Christ as my Savior. The Lord opened the door for me to go down to Bob Jones University uh, to begin preparing for the ministry to serve the Lord. That's that school down in South Carolina that has the blue and pink sidewalks and the moat around the campus with electric. And if you go into Dailing Parter, well, they have chaperones up there with machine guns and machetes. And uh, But I praise the Lord for it. And uh, that's where I met my dear wife, Judy. And God called us uh, to begin serving the Lord up in Michigan. And my first pastorate was at Blue Water Baptist Church in Port Huron, Michigan. And uh, uh, after that, then I became a uh, assistant pastor at, or youth pastor at uh, First Baptist of Marysville, uh, which is just a stone's throw from Port Huron. And then from there, the Lord called us to Wellsboro. Pennsylvania to Marsh Creek Fellowship Baptist Church took two pages for our uh, letterhead Uh, just a tremendous blessing there the Lord led us uh, to see the church grow souls were saved and uh, there was tremendous growth where we had to build a new auditorium and uh, God just blessed and and I just got to see God do all, all the work. I just watched. And it was uh, one of those things that uh, after 20 years, God wanted me to begin the state rep to f- follow after Brother Lee Huffan, which was just, uh, he was just a, a godly brother. So that's all my ministries from uh, South Carolina. I was the youth pastor, first youth pastor at Hampton Park Baptist Church. Uh, I forgot about that one. So I've been all over. uh, But through it all, I praise God for what he has done not anything that I have done, including what we've been able to see in some of the the church situations. We had one situation in a church, very large church in our fellowship here in Pennsylvania that was about to implode. That means explode from within. And it was all because of pride and miscommunication. And can you believe in a congregation we can start being suspicious about one another? Can you believe that? And it got to the point where uh, they called me and asked if I would come and listen and sit, and I did. And, and I suggested they put together a panel uh, of outside pastors to come and kind of review and and we put together suggestions and they followed them all. It's amazing. Most of the time when you give advice, I have found in the ministry, Pastor, but but I have found when you give advice, those that are wanting the advice do just the opposite of whatever you give them. But in this particular case, they followed every step that we gave in the church uh, almost had a revival. Uh, it was tremendous to see the spirit. You could just sense the spirit working within the church and the hearts. And when I closed in prayer after this special business meeting, nobody ran off. Everybody stayed. People were crying and hugging each other and going to each other and asking for forgiveness. It's almost what the brother was talking about in Sunday school this morning. 
It was just precious. Oh, all of that, watching the Holy Spirit minister through the Word of God. And that's sort of what we'd like to do this morning. Uh, when I was young, <laughs> and, and you have to, that's back in 1333, when I was really young, uh, my brother and I, we, we had grown up in Morris, Illinois. That's right on U.S. Route 6, which runs across the top of Pennsylvania. And my dad was a dentist. And he had been in the dental corps and uh, served overseas. And I was born in San Diego, California. That's why I have such a modern, fresh look. <laughs> and being uh, uh, a war baby, uh, once the war was over, my dad went back home and developed his uh, dental practice in his hometown where we grew up a bit. And in the fourth grade, we moved from Morris, Illinois, out to Salem, Oregon. And uh, it was out in Oregon where I began to attend that Benedictine monastery. And, uh, but while we were there in Oregon, when we were relocated, Mom and Dad rented a home for a while. And it was on the outskirts of town. And uh, my brother, Jim, who's uh, two years younger than me, uh, I was about uh, seven or eight, and he was just about five or six. And so, you know, we, we were younger. And one early morning after breakfast, Mom allowed us to go outside. We were eager to get out and explore our new territory. We were sort of like pioneers. And we went out the door, and as we walked out the door, out into the front yard, there was an aroma in the air. And it struck us, and we were very curious. And so we began, and it was almost spontaneous. He looked at me, and I looked at him, and we were determined to find out where this aroma was coming from. And so we depended upon my smelling device because it's larger than most. And, and we could move around and we could find in certain areas it was stronger than in other areas. And, and so we, we looked across the road and we saw there it was. There was a little black kitty that had gotten hit by a truck or a car and it was, it was just laying there. And we decided we were going to go over and uh, see if we couldn't move it somewhere where the aroma wouldn't be so. You know how it can be. And so we came up with the idea. I'm not sure if it was my idea. It probably was because I usually came up with the dumb ideas. But, but, the, but we, neither one of us wanted to pick it up because, you know, it's dead. And so I, I came out, well, let's kick it. And so we began, we began to move it very slowly as we proceeded to kick it. And I said, all right. Jim, it's your turn. And he would come up and he would kick. Now, it's not like a football, so it's not moving very far. But we simply kept kicking it. And it moved a little bit. And, and we'd kick it and we'd keep, keep switching off. And he would kick it and then I would kick it. And we, we really were making some progress along the side of the road. Our goal was to get it down to a stream beside the, the schoolhouse that was across the street from our house. 
what we were going to do then, we weren't quite sure, but we wanted to get it down to the stream. And, and it seemed like the more we kicked it, the stronger the aroma got in the air. Did I mention that this little black kitty cat had a white stripe down the back and off into the tail? It, it did. It, it was just disgusting. And if that should have stopped us, not us. And, and we just kept kicking. And the aroma got stronger and stronger and stronger. And the more we, we made it out into the field and we were getting closer to the creek. So we determined we'll just keep kicking. And we kicked it and we kicked it. Got it down to the creek. And there was a, a piece of old limb or wood or whatever it was. We kicked it onto it which was a pretty good thing to kick a dead polecat onto a piece of wood. And we shoved it down into the water, and it started floating away. It stunk up the entire Willamette Valley, but it wasn't, it got, got but we noticed that this, the aroma was still there. Would you agree with me that that polecat was pretty dead? I mean, it was dead over there, but it was really dead by the time we got it down to the creek. I mean, deader than dead. There was hardly anything left of it. We had kicked it so much. And so we were so proud that we had removed this stink from the neighborhood. And so we ran home very proudly, to report to mom what we had done. And we came in the house. It's the first time I ever in my entire life heard my mother scream. And she screamed and right away pointed as she was screaming to both of us to get out to the garage and take off all of our clothes. And she followed out with some tomato juice and poured it all over us, and then we had to go take a bath. Do you know, after all of that, we could still smell the polecat? Now that's, that's a definition of death. Being dead, dead, dead. Which brings me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Most unusual statement that Paul says to the church at Corinth. Remember, the church at Corinth had some problems. It wasn't like Bible Baptist Church of Upper Darby. It had some problems. And this particular church in Corinth, why, they were being taught, instructed, chastised, by Paul. He was using some very strong language in some areas because of their toleration. By the way, in Sunday school, they were talking about judging. A perfect example of lack of judgment is First, uh, First Baptist Church in, in Corinth. They tolerated sin and did nothing about it. Uh, and there they were. And so Paul is trying to instruct them. And uh, it comes here to uh, chapter 15. I draw your attention to verse number 31. And this is a very unusual uh, verse. Very unusual statement. And he says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I, what does it say? I die daily. I die daily. I, I rejoice with the Lord. I, I, I can identify with the marvelous 
cleansing with that shed blood and the cross of Calvary. I understand the marvelous, marvelous gift that God has given in salvation. Uh, I know what yet is to come. I'm rejoicing in Christ Jesus our Lord. But I die daily. A part of the problem at Corinth was there was an awful lot of individual opinion. What I want. Boy, some of them were really warped and distorted in what they wanted. But they were not focusing on the Lord. They were focusing on self. And Paul says very clearly, I die daily. Can we make that kind of a statement in our own lives? I die daily. It, it, it brings to mind the whole different substance of what we need to be focusing on. There are three different areas I, I, I want to us to look at, I think will help us with a statement like Paul sharing with the church struggling at Corinth. I die daily. Take your Bibles and and now turn to uh, a, a passage that makes it very, very clear in Galatians. In the book to Galatia, in the second chapter, in the 20th verse, it sort of makes sense. There's an explanation that is it giving some reality to what Paul was saying when I die daily. Because he says there, beginning with uh, the verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. Do you see that marvelous portion of Scripture? Some people say, why, how can you say uh, Jesus is in my heart? And I've heard people criticize uh, as young people are brought to the realization of salvation in Christ as we ask Jesus to save us and to come into our life. Some people are very critical of that. That very verse tells us that we're crucified with Christ. Uh, yet, yet we live, yet it's not not me is Christ that liveth within me. So there's there's a dying, there's a there's an identification with the actual crucifixion with Christ. I am crucified with Christ, but then he says, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. When we come to that point in our lives where we realize it can't be all me. Uh, a very worldly singer, a notorious New Yorker, he had a song where he sang, And I did it my way. That's just the antithesis of what Christ desires. We are to be doing it his way. And so there is this marvelous relationship now as we are crucified with Christ that he says uh, that uh, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh. There's a sense that we are alive, but in the flesh, it's different. Because he says, 
that which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. No wonder Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, I die daily. Most of us, especially if we're adults, we have the reflex when we wake up in the morning, gotta have that cup of coffee. It's, it's just, it's a part of our life of stimulation to wake up and to get things moving. I got got to have that coffee. Some people even go to the extremes of having automatic coffee makers. So the aroma fills the home. That's a pleasant aroma. Uh, not the other aroma I was talking about earlier. And they, it just kind of makes them float out of bed and just kind of meander out to the kitchen and grab the cup. And all of a sudden, there's hope for the day. That isn't exactly what he's referring to here. He's wanting us to realize there is a spiritual aspect of each of our lives that be, begins to be sensed as we awake in the morning. And as we awake each day, there ought to be an understanding that this day is not my day. This day is His day. And I need to die daily. I am crucified with Christ. We need to all be saying that as we wake up tomorrow. I'm sorry. <laughs> tomorrow is Monday. But even though it's Monday, it needs to be our day with Christ. If we're going to work, if we're going to school, whatever our lot is in life, that we are doing it with Christ because we are crucified with him. And the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith. By faith. Of the Son of God who loved us and gave his life for us. Man, that just... That makes a chill down my spine. That is so real and so pointed. And, and so there is a sense that I need to die daily. There, there needs to be a sense of my old way because, you see, you do have two natures. You have a new nature uh, being washed under the shed blood of the cross of Calvary. Then you have that old nature. You, you inherited that from Adam. How many of you heard of Adam and Eve? They're the ones. And, and that old nature is a sinful nature. And you have the new nature. And so there is this conflict. And so you have to determine in your life that you are going to live for him. And to live for him means you've got to die to self. You've got to put your wants, your desires, all that that might be very much more worldly than it ought to be, aside. You've got to die to it. It's almost like that polecat. It needs to get deader with every day. With every kick. I'm dying to self. Paul said, I die daily to self. That he might live for him, Jesus Christ. So there is this identification 
I am crucified with Christ. That makes sense. Then, then truly, I am dying daily. Well, with, with that in mind, then secondly, look at, if you would, Colossians. Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 1. If I'm dying daily and if I am crucified with Christ, then then there needs to be this understanding of what my relationship is with him. And so he says here, if ye then be risen with Christ, when I was pastoring up at Marsh Creek Fellowship Baptist Church in Wellsboro, I had some teenagers that wanted to be baptized and said, Pastor, uh, can we get baptized? I said, sure. I want you to meet with me and the deacons and we'll talk about baptism and then we'll prepare and you can go ahead and be baptized. And so I explained what the baptism was all about that it was an identification with Christ and his uh, life, death, and burial, and resurrection. And I said, so because you guys are young and teens, we're going to have the deacons go out and dig a hole beside the church. And uh, it'll get... It won't be real deep, but it'll be deep enough that we can lay you down inside and then cover you up with dirt. Now, be careful. I would close your eyes while they're doing that. And I want you to hold your breath. And once we get you covered up, then we'll do our best to get you uncovered as fast as we can. They were looking at each other and they were really wondering (laughs) if if they really wanted to be baptized. And you know, if that's the way it had to be, I'm not sure how many people would be baptized. But our Lord knew how we would react. And so he used the water in a river called Jordan. And he allowed this demonstration where one who has come to know Christ as their personal Savior is identified with the death, burial under the water, and then risen up out of the water in a newness of life, and identifying with Christ. And I said, guys, that's what we're going to do instead. And of course, they went ahead and they got baptized. But it's like what is being said here in, in uh, the, the situation here in the Corinth church. If ye then be risen with Christ... Then he says, seek those things which are above. If you are risen in Christ, if you have identified yourself with his death, his burial, and his resurrection, then, then identify with that resurrection. If you are, then seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth at the right hand, that is the hand, the the seat of authority beside God the Father. We sang about that earlier. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And so, here it is. And then in verse 2 he says, set your affections on those things which are above, not on the things of the earth. And the reason being 
that we are to seek those things above. We're to set our affections on those things above. The reason for that is verse 3. Because he says, because for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Ye are dead. If you are born again, if you've been washed under the blood, if you are baptized, you've been buried and, and, and risen up out of the water, you've been identified in newness of life, then there is this identification where you're identifying with the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. By the way, there are a lot of gods out there, a lot of religions out there, Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the only one that's alive. He's the only one. You know why? He's a true God. And because of that, there is this identity. Because ye are dead. Paul said, I die daily. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And then there is, seek those things that are above. Seek, uh, set your affections on those things that are above, not on the earth. And then you begin to scratch your head. (laughs) I've done it a lot, you can tell. And it comes to the point where you wonder what is he trying to do practically. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. How are we to seek those things above? And how are do we set our affections on those things above? Well, it, it, it's pretty clear. And, and he makes it just as clear as he can in Philippians Chapter 4 and number 8. Because he says, Finally, brethren, (laughs) don't you love it when any preacher actually comes to that statement after an hour and a half, two hours of expounding? Finally, brethren, that isn't what he was saying. He was saying, in light of everything else that I have shared with you, Then he says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are are good, uh, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what does he say? Think on these things. There's an awful lot of untruths going around today. For some reason, we can't say the word lying and lies anymore. It's not politically correct. It's misinformation. And, and we, have, we have executives in corporations who specialize in spin. You know what spin is? Making something that is not good appear to be good. To twist something that is bad to make it appear to be acceptable. And yet, the Word of God says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just. Today, we need to be focusing more on the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, than we ever have before. There's never been such a force against God and His truth as there is today. There is now, even in the United States of America, a sense of hatred toward you and me as we embrace our faith in Christ and his word. 
never been more of a need for us to focus on these things. So how do you seek those things above? How do you set your affections on those things above? By thinking on those things that are true. By by actually focusing upon this precious truth. Do you know there's not another book, not another manual, there's nothing that's ever been printed that has the value that this has? Because this has eternal value. Because it it is God's word. Think on these things. Wait a minute. How much time do we spend in front of a monitor with a keyboard? And this sets aside in the corner. How much time do we watch some kind of entertainment on a television? And this sets over in the corner. How much time do we spend at other things... And this gets neglected over in the corner. He says, think on these things. That's how we seek those things that are above. That's how we set our affections on those things that are above. It's a necessity for us as we walk through life that this is a part of our daily routine. So I ask you, Are you dying daily? Have you been crucified with Christ? Are you dead? Hid with Christ in God? It's all a part of setting our focus on Him. Dying to self and living for Him. Well, that brings us then to... An area that is very necessary, and that's the third one. You know, every inspired message that a preacher brings to you has to have at least three points. You realize that? It has to. This is the third point. And and I draw your attention, if you would, back over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Very familiar verse. But listen to what it says. Understanding that Paul has already proclaimed, I die daily. I am crucified with Christ. I am dead and hid with Christ in God. With all of that in mind, then you come here to Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse number 1, and it says, I beseech you, by the way, when someone says, I beseech you, therefore, it's not, it, it, it's not the idea that if you don't mind, would you consider this? It's not that. If sometime in the future you, you get a chance, would you simply dwell on this? It's not that. He says, I beseech you. He's begging you. He is urging you with all that he can urge you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, what? To present your bodies a living sacrifice. Aha, that kind of explains, I am dying daily. But as I die daily, I become a living sacrifice. It's starting to make sense. My my daily life has got to have more of a focus on Christ. It can't just be on Sunday morning in the upper room. It's got to be 
every day as I walk through the day. It's got to be that. If it isn't that, we are vulnerable to the entanglements and the temptations of Satan. It's an absolute given. We must understand what's at stake here. And so he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then he says, holy. Well, some people have kind of a different view of what the word holy means. If I stand right here, you can see, some of you, can you see the my halo? Can you see it? I was in a church in another portion of our fellowship and somebody took a picture of me up in the platform, went home to their computer and somehow installed a halo over my head. I I don't mess around with Facebook anymore, but I had uh, a Facebook page for a while and I put the picture up and I, I had under it St. Paul. <laughs> Why not? Are we not all saints in God? If we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, He calls us saints. So there it was. See, we get the idea holiness is having a halo. That's not it. That's not it. It's the idea of walking away from sin. Holiness is desiring to live a righteous daily life. Holiness is being sinless. And he says, that is God says, be ye holy because I am holy. And here he is giving us instruction that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. So there needs to be more of an idea of dying daily to the ways of the world that I have to struggle with makes sense. If I'm going to be a living sacrifice for him. And then he says, acceptable unto God. And then he has the audacity to say, which is your what? reasonable service. Don't you dare think only Pastor Lion has to be holy. Only Pastor Lion has to present himself as a living sacrifice. Only the deacons have to be joining him in that effort. That is every soul in this room who has trusted in Christ as their personal Savior is to be presenting themselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. That's expected of each of us. It's not an option. He wants us to do just that. Then he adds to it. And then he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Now, I, I know I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old man. And I, I don't understand a lot of these gadgets. When I was young, my mom, my dad... Uh, gave us a, uh, my brother had his train and I had my train. They were Lionel. And for the train to move, it needed electricity. And and it, it was generated by plugging this little black box 
had a, a plugged into the electric socket in the wall, and it had a red handle on it. And if you moved the handle, the train would move. The more you moved the handle, the faster it went. And if you moved it all away, it usually ran off the train track. It transformed the electricity coming out of the wall and gave the choo-choo train the power to move fast. Transform, changed it. My grandchildren have come to me very proudly and held up in front of me, Grandpa, this is my transformer. It wasn't a black box. It had no red handle. It looked like a giant robot with the most ugliest face I ever saw. And they would move and manipulate the whole thing. And then it turned out to be an army tank that had a whole bunch of guns. And it, was, it almost looked like it, it, it was smoking and shooting at, at anything. It was transformed. What does it mean? Changed over from one thing to another. And so it says here, by the instruction of the Holy Spirit, we are to be transformed in renewing of our mind. Well, what do you do to be transformed in the renewing of your mind? Well, doesn't that bring you back to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8? Yes, it does. That's, that's exactly what he wants. By renewing of the mind that ye may prove what is that acceptable Excuse me, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, precious souls, each of us is to be providing evidence that we're born again. And not only that we're born again, washed under the blood, shed at the cross of Calvary, but more than that, that we are actually living for him and not for self. Proving, as we present ourselves a living sacrifice, we are providing proof of what God has done within our lives. That's what Paul was getting at as he was talking to the church at Corinth. I die daily. We're to be dying daily. There's one little small verse that kind of ties all of this together. And I want you to just turn with me, if you would, and look at it and mark it. Do whatever you want. But come back to it later and evaluate yourself. But in the Gospel of John, in chapter 3, and verse 30. The Gospel of John, chapter number 3, and verse number 30. It says plainly this. He must increase. And I must what? Decrease. That's what Paul was saying. I die daily. Dearly beloved, in each of our lives, there is an assignment for us from the time we wake in the morning until we lay our heads down on our pillows at night. We are to be dying daily that Christ, Christ alone, might be seen through us and in us for his glory, not ours. Are you dying daily? Are, 
Are you a real living sacrifice for Him? Are you decreasing, making more and more room for Him in your life that Jesus Christ alone might increase? Father, we come before you thanking you and praising you for what's been accomplished at the cross of Calvary. That marvelous gift, not something we work for, not something that we purchase, but something that was accomplished by the sacrifice of a life of the Son of God by the shedding of his blood, because Scripture declares without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And then, Lord, understanding there is a great need for us in our daily life to die to self and to live for him. I pray your help for every soul that's here that every soul that's living, for every soul that is walking and, and desirous of pleasing you, I pray, Father, that you will help them to set their affections where they need to be, to seek those things which are above. We go through daily temptations we go through daily trials. Father, help us to be true to you. Help us to no longer desire to be a part of the world, but simply to be much more, much more submitted, much more yielded, much more given to the Savior that needs to increase in each of our lives as we die daily, crucified with him, dead and hidden with Christ in God, and presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. Oh, Father, I pray that you'll continue to minister and may God alone receive the glory, for we pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Pastor.